It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to our special COVID-19 series of podcasts, which offer differing perspectives from a wide range of people who are doing their own thing to work through, cope and deal with the virus during these unprecedented times. In this episode, we hear from local expats around the world about the situation in their adopted homes. First up is Grania Connor, who lives just outside Milan in Italy. Sarnico is about an hour from Milan, where Grania Connor from Monaster Boys has been living for the last seven years and has been in lockdown in her home for the last week, and she's on the line. Hello, Grania. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? We more want to know. Uh, we're okay, we're grand, thanks. It's a bit strange, but hey, you just have to get on with it, really. At least the sun is shining today. The sun is shining, and it's shining here too as well, and it is a springtime. Explain, like, a- about the development of this, where you live. How quickly did this come upon you? Well, um, see, three weeks ago, when it kind of hit in Cardano, they were put into a red area and we were put into yellow, which means that we could travel within our region, but we couldn't leave our region. So kind of life went on as normal for two weeks, to be honest. And then last Sunday, at I think it was about 11 o'clock, we got word that we were on complete lockdown. And that means you can't leave the house unless you're going to work, the pharmacy or the supermarket. And if you are out and about, excuse me, you have to have a piece of paper self-certifying where you're coming from, where you're going to and why you are out of your region and um, you can be arrested or fined if you break the rules So the only way out and you must have this certificate is to go to the supermarket go to the pharmacy or if you have work that you can go to, nothing else No, no you have the certificate if you you have to have it on you all the time. Yeah. But if you're generally within your own village, you're okay. But as if you cross your village border, you can then be asked to prove this information where you're going. And if you say you're going to work, they'll ring work to see that that's actually where you're going. It's that serious. So they really are implementing the restrictions. There's no messing here. You have to desert, and they are checking on everybody. What's it like? You have two daughters, you're at home. Is your husband at home? Is everybody in the house? For most of the day, yeah. My husband is an aircraft engineer in um, Bergamo Airport. So he goes in three nights a week at the moment because planes still have to come in. 
Supplies still have to come in. Hospital equipment has to come in. So he's one of the people that's keeping the economy going and life going in general at the minute. But yeah, the four of us are here today. But thankfully we have a garden. We can escape each other when the need arises. <laughs> Not so bad. Now, the supermarket, just back to that for a moment because we've seen panic here last week. You saw that as well, but things have calmed down. I've actually been in the supermarket half an hour ago and there is plenty of vegetables, plenty of... All the, sh- all the shelves are full. Hmm. So the panic has eased and the supply chains are holding. That's what we want to get that message across here as well, because we are certainly following the pattern of Italy. We hope we don't have the spike in the cases with all we're doing at the moment. But that is good to hear. Yeah, you know, we, we really don't want that because that spike... It's a real reality for you. There have been lots of uh, loss of life. Lots of people have died. On on Friday, there was 250 people died. Uh, Saturday was there were 268. And to be honest, I didn't look today because I just think you need to take a break every now and then because your head will just explode, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, if you if you, if you really let it in in on you, but that's the reality. If this is not gripped, and the, uh, the government's instructions in Ireland are not abided by, now you, the children are at home as well from school. How are they faring out? They have online lessons every morning, live video lessons with their teachers. Some of the teachers actually do the lessons with their own kids on their knees, because that's just what life is. You're, we're all stuck at home with our families. They get homework online and then they have to take pictures of their homework and send it back to their teachers. If they attend the online class, they are marked in as the school. Um, They're fine, but thank God for modern technology. At least they can WhatsApp each other and talk to each other and video call. I can imagine for people that live by themselves, especially old people who this really affects more than anybody, I can imagine it would be quite lonely. Mm. Oh, really? And and frightening and the worry they have in the current situation. But I take a community has, has, has clicked in there as well in Italy. Yeah, they're brilliant. There's people called the Alpini here and they're the forest police and they're kind of, I don't, it take too long to explain. But between them and the local community, all the old people have been looked after. Shopping has been done, water has been dropped off. People, whether you can actually, you can't actually physically the person you can get their shopping and leave it at their their gate for them or whatever but everybody's looking after everybody and the singing at night time is great and last night we all had to turn out our lights in our house and light a torch out the window for a minute at nine o'clock so that we could all see that we're all in this together and that's the main thing we're all in this together yes. not just Ireland not just Italy it's the world we're all in this yes it is the world and we are Mankind and a human race of the world, no matter what colour or creed or country. And that's what this should bring home to everybody. That's lovely, lovely to hear that. It, it really is. Being in touch with, with home and Monaster Boys, are you in in touch regular? Oh, it, it, several times a day. <laughs> Modern technology is like that. Yeah, no, I, everybody at home is, is well for now, thank God. My sister Aoife is a nurse in the Bowman, so... I'm a little bit worried about her. <clears throat> mm, and that's understandable as well. What about, just one thing I forgot to ask you before I move on. 
We had Rosalind Doherty on with us here from the Financial Foundation and the, the financial institutions, to be honest with you, are dithering in Ireland. What about mortgages and utility bills, etc. in Italy? What's happened? It's all stopped for during the lockdown period. You don't have to pay them. They're, all the companies are taking the brunt of it them, themselves, like the banks, you don't have to pay. The internet and all those companies, they're... They're taking the. They're not charging you for this month, but okay, for however long it'll be. Yeah, but the, but at least that decision has been taken and will be revisited, and that is good to hear. That's decisiveness. That's what we need in this country. What would you say yeah. to people listening today, having seen what you've seen, the loss of life, the lockdown, and all that it entails? What do you say to people back home here today, from your experience, Grania? I oh, take it serious. It really isn't a joke. And if we don't take it serious, half the country's not going to have grandparents in six months. It's it's that virulent. It's uh, I mean, it's killing three hundred, nearly three hundred people, or nearly four hundred people on Saturday. Just wash your hands. Wash your hands when you if you do go to the supermarket. Wash your hands as soon as you come in before you touch anything in your house. I just be careful and and listen to what you're being told because it's not a joke. It's actually real. It's deadly serious, and I don't mean that yeah. to be a pun or anything. That is the reality of the situation. What took you to Italy? Is the husband an Italian? No, he's from Drada. Believe it or not. <laughs> oh my um, God! Uh, no, he was working out here, and he was here for two years, and we were, he was commuting back and forth, and it just became too difficult, and we came out for a year to try and have a look back. Seven years later. What's his name, his family name? Oh, of course, you are uh, Connor. Connor is his family name. Yeah, What's Stuart, your... Cro- Stuart Connor. Stuart, and, and your um, family name in Monaster Boys is? McCormack. Sean and Philly McCormack, and Stu's parents, Pauline Connor, and his dad... Passed away, he's Joe. Ah, there you go. Just a context to you. We say hello to all of them. I'm sure they're listening in this afternoon as you speak to me. I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> I know they are. I know they are. We say hello to them today. Anyway, listen, Gronya, uh, God bless you. Take care of your, your family there. And please, God, this will pass. This time will, will turn around for everybody in Italy and everywhere else as well. And thank you so much. Yep. You're welcome. It will if we all pull together and act responsibly. They're fine words to finish our conversation with. Grania, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Grania Connor, uh, originally from Monaster Boys and McCormick and her husband and children out there. We think of them and all the Italian people and all who've lost their lives. My God, when you hear those numbers, we have to be serious about this. We have to do what we're told. Let's do it. Journalist Patrick Riley is based in Malmo, where the Swedes have a totally different approach to coping with coronavirus. While swathes of us across Europe endure lockdown conditions in the face of the coronavirus outbreak, one country stands alone in allowing life to go on closer to normal. After a long winter, it's just become warm enough for people to sit outside in the Swedish capital and people are making the most of it. Patrick Riley is a Swedish-based freelance journalist living in Malmo originally from Drogheda he's on the line Patrick how are you good afternoon Jerry how are you I'm good what is it is it in the DNA of the Swedish people they're always different out of step with everybody else <laughs> well they are definitely taking a different approach to this crisis not only from other European countries but also from their Scandinavian neighbours 
So, for example, uh, schools and daycares are still open in Sweden. You can uh, still go to the pub if you want to. Uh, shops are open just with reduced opening hours. Uh, so it's almost business as usual, but just a little bit quieter, and people are emphasized to uh, take collective responsibility. So that's the difference. The government are saying, over to you, people, you must take your own responsibility here and do what you have to do. It's a bit of a strange one, quite different. Yes, and what's interesting here is that the Swedish Public Health Agency has a great deal of political independence. So they, the government is taking their lead, and the Swedish Health Authority has said people should work from home if they can, but, for example, with this uh, Easter holidays coming up in Sweden, they said, don't travel unless you have to. Whereas across the border in Denmark, they've said, don't travel whatsoever. Uh, and just to give you a breakdown of the figures, in Sweden has uh, 4,000 cases of this virus with 146 deaths. In Denmark and Norway, which have embraced a complete lockdown, closing schools, daycares, pretty much everything, uh, they have 72 deaths and 28 deaths, respectively. Uh, and of course, Sweden has a much greater population of 10 million people living here compared to 5 million in Denmark and Norway. So they are certainly taking a different approach. The health authority director here, he said, this is the best way to prevent the spread. They've advised elderly people to uh, stay in self-isolation. Even the Swedish king and queen are in self-isolation. They're in their 70s and the king apparently is doing DIY. Uh, but it's very different in the, in, the, in our Nordic neighbours here where things are in lockdown. So it, it's two schools of thought. There's a Swedish mathematician here uh, who has said that the Swedish approach is the equivalent of playing Russian roulette with 10 million people. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Well, history will judge at the end of the day. Either they're right or they're way wrong, and the numbers and the deaths will show that as time goes by. Sweden, now, when you look at Italy and the Spanish situation in particular, one thing strikes me about Sweden, people love the outdoors. They're probably not as clustered together in family units. Do you know the way in Italy you might have the grandparents, parents, grandchildren? Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, and something that's that definitely a fair assessment, but half of Swedish households are single occupancy. So mm. this kind of stereotype of Swedes being a little bit uh, socially distant, uh, it's probably true, and, and it's coming home to roost in this situation. So a lot of elderly people live alone. Nursing homes are not so common there. And like you said, in Spain and Italy, it is more common to uh, family-orientated in a way with grandparents living under the one roof in mm. Sweden, uh, this ho home care service is there to help elderly people. They'll come to your house and bring your shopping and uh, do your laundry and things. So mm. this sort of Scandinavian stereotype of being a little bit standoffish, a little bit, dare I say it, cold, perhaps is uh, having an effect on how this country is dealing with this crisis. How are you feeling? You know what our Taoiseach Leo Varadkar mm. has done here, he, starting on St. Patrick's Day and moving to last Friday night with a virtual total lockdown. How, is you how are you feeling as an Irish man in Scandinavia? Who do you believe or trust? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was actually only back home only a month ago, so I managed to get back to Sweden uh, in good time before everything escalated. I mean, I would say I've probably been Swedified here, so I'm going to go along with what I'm being told. There is a great deal of uh, uh, public trust in the health authorities here. The fact that it hasn't been sort of hijacked 
by uh, the politi- political side of it. And, and I would say in certain countries, certainly in the Scandinavian neighbours, there's certainly definitely been a political element as when it comes to closing the borders. For example, in Denmark, the public health authority said there's no need to close borders, but the Danish government uh, went ahead and did it. Similar situation in Norway, where they were advised to keep the schools open. The argument for keeping schools open here is not to overwhelm the healthcare service, because obviously you've got doctors and nurses who would have to stay home and look after their children. Mm. Uh, but for me, as an Irishman living here, it is certainly strange. I'm speaking to my family over the weekend, and it's a, you know, they are in isolation, and uh, you know, it's definitely a, a totally different uh, approach. So, like I said, we will have to see how it plays out, and uh, I would hopefully I'm on the right side of it here, but. It could be a huge collective gamble. Just before we finished, and I promise I'll be back to you over the coming weeks to tic-tac yeah. with you. Uh, are you cautious yourself and your own family? Are you taking care? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I would certainly wouldn't be going out to any swimming pools or a popular thing to do in Sweden is to go to the sauna. So, yeah, I would say I'm definitely being more careful. My children are, obviously, I've decided that it's, you know, they, they should continue going to school. That's what they've been advised to do. So they're both uh, at school today. Uh, but yes, definitely exercising caution, uh, staying out of the pubs. It's too expensive to go for a drink here anyway. So uh, we can all <laughs> save a few quid. <laughs> Good man yourself. That's the Irish man in you to the core. No matter, you might say to me that you're Swedified. Have to leave it there, Patrick. Thank you for taking our call. Appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Take care. Be in touch. Thanks a million. That's Patrick Riley there, a freelance journalist based in Malmo, originally from Ireland. Musician Michael Brunnock is himself recovering from COVID-19 and spoke to us from his home in New York City. He's Kells through and through, but he lives in New York now. We met him on Late Lunch in studio a few years back and he's on the line with me. Michael Brunnock, great to hear from you again. How are you, Jerry? I'm glad to say that... Uh... Uh, when you say you lost me, that you, you, that's in a proverbial sense. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Michael, for sure. <laughs> Listen, let's pick up the conversation from the other day and take it up from where we were talking. Sure. You contracted COVID nineteen. How did you get it, Michael? Well, I don't. I don't really know. Just two ways. I mean, I I'm living in New York, and you can see right now it's the epicenter of it. And uh, I play music a lot, as you know, and uh, I also bartend still to make a living here and also my son goes to school in the city and he's running around a lot uh, in the city as well so he may have picked it up and I picked it up off him or I got it maybe through the bar or I also performed on the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day in a, in a place here in Rockaway and Rockaway Queens and I may have picked it up there like and that was even through like the whole protocol of washing hands and and all that stuff, but I don't know. I really don't know where it came from. How were you feeling? What were the symptoms initially, and how did they develop then? Well, initially, it's like it started with a headache and a bit of a temperature and a sore throat. And I could feel the sore throat sort of higher up in the throat. I would tend to get flus. I would tend to pick up uh, a flu if it's going around or or cold and I tend to get sinus issues you know so the difference this time is that uh, it's sort of like after two days I didn't feel it in the throat anymore but I think one of the biggest factors was tiredness exhaustion headache uh, a lot of aches very powerful aches really in the joints and uh, 
Um, I'd say disorientation. I remember trying to type stuff, not being able to see properly, like uh, almost uh, dyslexic in a way. And uh, and then the breathing became an issue after a few days, maybe after. Uh, I, what I noticed in it was on day five of it, um, a sort of like a rapidness in my breath, you know, a short breath. And... Um, sort of automatically just to eat in the house and I actually still have a slight bit of it but um, I got f- a f- I got I suppose I got a bit of a, a fright around day six or seven because it was kind of notable you know like I would be in bed and my breathe I wake up and my breathing would be like this and uh, went to the, I tried to go to the doctor and under, understanding what's going on here you just don't want you're, you're told stay at home if you get symptoms don't go you know don't go yeah. exaggerating things. So there's a thing here called urgent care. It's like, it's a little bit like private emergency rooms where you can go where, let's say you're suffering from a flu and, uh, or if you cut yourself or if your son falls or you can bring them, bring them into it and they sort of take you quickly into it. And there's a few facilities like that around, you know. So as long as you have your insurance, you go in with your card. It's like a, I wouldn't say it's an emergency room, but it's it's like a a, a smaller version of that. Yeah, I, guess. I think we have them here now. Yeah. They're called primary care units that you go to rather than going to the hospital. Okay, well I'm out. I've been out twenty years now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I went. They when I called them up here, there's one here pretty close to where I live. This says don't come in unless your temperature is high, and I had a thermometer at home, and it didn't go over a hundred, not for two or three days. And so I felt, you know, I won't, I can't do that. And then on day three, three, four, I was, you get anxious, you know, because then you, you start to think, well, do I have it or what is, you know, this? And so I was really hoping to go over a hundred so I could go in. <laughs> and then, so then at one point I went in, uh, the fourth, I think the fourth day I went in and uh, they did all the tests and I was definitely feeling the effects of that of what you'd say is a bad flu. And except for the dry dryness and the sinuses, that was the thing. I, do, I didn't have any need to use a tissue, you know? So, mm. um, and as I said before, that, that's something that I would normally be the first thing. It's one of the first things my sinuses tend to get clogged up, you know? So, um, anyway, they did, they did a test there for flu and it was negative and the doctor just shrugged and she said look there's people coming in here all day and that they're testing negative for flu but I can't test them for coronavirus that she didn't have the test and um, there's a kind of a policy here now with the amount around that they just don't test for coronavirus unless you're very severe and they want to maybe send you they want to say pre-diagnose before they uh, send you to a hospital or something you know so So there's a kind of a, I, I don't understand the whole thing with the numbers, you know, how they can say that people don't have it or do have it if they don't test. So, uh, and I'm aware of people who are sick now, especially um, some people that I know around uh, the industry I'm in and um, and they're just staying home, you know, so. Mm. And did you get a test that ultimately confirmed you had this? I did, like, uh, because after day seven I, I got very I got worried and my, my son is here with me um, Fionn so we went back to the urgent care and I called them and they happened to have 
an x-ray thing there and I wanted to just ask them would you take an x-ray of the lungs and see is this because I'm worried about the breathing you know so so they were they were great they brought, brought me in didn't have to wait very long either took an x-ray and the doctor sent it to some specialist to read it it came back he was he looked at it first and he says there's definitely something there but I want to get a second opinion and then uh, when it came back he says look you, we can see there's something there, but it's not. You don't have full-blown pneumonia or fluid on the lung. Just go home again, and if it gets bad, go to the emergency room. And that was really comforting, you know, to get that because I was wondering, like, is it, is it if it takes another degree to a bad way, what happens here, you know? So, and uh, and then I just said to him, look, I hope I'm on the back end. I and mean, this was like seven days later, seven or eight days in. Um or was it yeah eight days in i think and uh, and i just said look i'd like to be able to because i live in a complex here where there's a lot of old people and um it's i live on the rockaway beach and um i i would say most people in my building most people here are over 60 you know and don't maybe couples are retired here and stuff like that <coughs> i just said i'd like to be able to get out when this is done in a week or two, when things get bad and maybe be of use, you know? Mm. And I said, I, I'd like to know that, I have, that I've got been through it instead of just ignoring it. And he said, and he was very good. He just went out and he had a few tests left there and he tested me. And then four days later, I got the confirmation. So they called me back. And then there's a whole protocol that happens once they, once you do have it because they have to follow up you know they're responsible then in some way and so i got called calls but twice after that how are you doing are you think are things improving and stuff you know so mm. and uh i've noticed a steady improvement but the biggest thing is the tiredness i'm 15 16 days in now and i've seen even last night now i i'd say i slept 18 hours out of the day six so. 17 17 hours yeah it really does take it out of you. So there you are. You <coughs> had confirmation that you had it. You obviously were quite concerned at one stage that this would progress even further, even further, and it could be a hospital case. Well, definitely by day five and seven, I was starting to think that well, if the breathing goes, you know, with with a short, short breath, and even getting up and going to the bathroom <coughs> or going to. Uh, Going to maybe cooking cooking something here for, for the for the two of us, um, and then sitting down, and my son was looking at me like you're wheezing, you know, like you were. I was kind of like mm. this rapid kind of breath, you know. And uh, I have an aunt here; she's been in the business. She's eighties now, but she she was checking in on me every day. She's a nurse, and she just told me go out, open the window every day, and stand there and take conscious deep breaths and do it for ten, you know, twice a day for ten minutes. Like stretch your lungs, you know, get exercise them. I think that did help, mm. you know. Good I think <clears throat> around the first three or four days, um, when I was breathing, I uh, I'd also had a pain in my lungs, you know, because I had a kind of, it felt like they were like a little cage, you know, there was a cage in there or something. And when the breathing got bad, there was no pain at all. I was like taking big breaths, but it was like breathing out of a plastic bag, you know, that kind of sense of yeah. you're just not getting enough oxygen. So. So, there you are. so that and was scary. That, that was a little frightening, you know. That was yeah, a little absolutely. bit. So I was just trusting that it would stay the same. And it didn't get to a point now where I panicked or anything, you know. That it would stay the same. And 
didn't get to a point now where I panicked or anything, you know. South Korea is our next port of call and Frances Rogers, who teaches there. She told us how and why the city of Seoul has had so few cases and deaths. Frances Rogers is from Tohoran County, Louth. She's teaching English in South Korea for the last five years and she's secretary of Seoul Gales GAA Club there and she's on the line. Hello, Frances. Hello, Harry Things. Very good. Nice to talk to you today. And I will tell listeners, I know this, there is a, just a slight delay as we talk. So just allow for that for the next few minutes, please. Francis, can I ask you this? Uh, the cases of COVID-19 in Seoul, and it's a huge city, are very, very low. It is a high density population. Why? There's a lot of reasons. They've handled it very well here. So Seoul has about 10 million people. And there's only been 620 cases and two deaths, um, which is amazing. But they've really like kept everyone up to date on all of the information. So we get emergency alert text messages to our phones every time we come into an area where somebody has tested positive. And they have really good testing regimes. Anyone who wants to get tested can get tested. Everyone wears a mask when they're outside. It's really unusual not to see to see somebody without a mask. So they're really, really well prepared. I think a few years ago they had an outbreak of MERS in Korea and they learned a lot from how they handled that. And when this happened, they were able to put steps into place really quickly. That astounds me because look at New York and the thousands and thousands who've lost their lives and the millions that live in that city as well. But just come back to this point. You've told us a number of actions they've taken there and obviously you feel the government is on top of this. Did they lock down a few weeks back? Did they close schools? Did they shut businesses all over the place? Did they confine people to their homes? So schools did close. We're actually in a weird situation because today was the first day of term. Um, But we all started online, so we haven't actually met our students yet. But apart from that, it's kind of been business as usual. Like, if you go out for a walk in a park, it's absolutely packed. We went hiking a few weeks ago, and you had to queue on the mountains. There was that many people out. Every restaurant and cafe is still open. Um, If a person who has tested positive goes to a business, they go in, shut it down for 24 hours, disinfect it, and then it reopens the next day. So they're very efficient in how they handle things. But compared to home, there's been no lockdown at all, really. So we're very lucky. Aren't you so lucky that this is the scenario? 620 cases and only two deaths in the city. This is just astounding. Surely now this is the model that all other countries, including Ireland, should be following. Or I wonder, is it too late? Has the horse bolted? It's hard to tell. Um, I think the early start here was really important. But I think if we could get testing up to scratch and contact tracing up to the same level, it would be possible. But I don't know if the laws in Ireland allow for the same level of contact tracing. So the Korean government can access people's bank records and phones records and that's how they're tracing everyone so they will literally te- like send a list 
like publish a list of every place a person who tests positive has been, um, which I think with privacy laws in Ireland would be harder. And I don't know if people would be willing to give up their privacy as much. But I think at this stage, I think probably a lot of people would be uh, in the hope that everybody can be healthy. You make a real good point because, look, uh, there will be huge issues with this and and this is being talked about. And there are even huge issues, as you probably know, following the news from home about the laws that have been enacted in recent days as well, restricting movement, giving greater power to the Gardaí. And there are people mentioning the words police state already in that context. So you can only imagine if they extended it further. But listen. Look at what has been achieved. Look at what has been achieved in this city. It's absolutely remarkable. What about you in your situation there and your colleagues? Because I know there are others from Ireland out there teaching as well. You're there five years. What's the scenario for you in the the coming weeks and months? So for most of us who are teaching, we're quite lucky that our jobs are quite secure. There are some people whose jobs have been lost, but... Because there's a lack of new teachers coming to Korea, everyone can kind of get a new job quite quickly. And some, there are different types of schools in Korea. So some are called academies and they're like after school programs. And some of those schools never even closed at all. Um, they still had children coming the whole time. Universities are pretty much all online. High schools and public schools are now all online. But the teachers are actually in school. So we go to work every day. We go into the classroom. We film videos um, to still send to the children so that they're still learning English. And we're really hoping that sooner rather than later, everything or all the kids can come back to school. Mm, good, good. That's a, that's a really positive uh, aspect and, and take on, on the future. Um I just see in the last 24 hours, you've had a general election there in the country and the ruling party won a landslide. Might not have happened in January because they weren't that popular, but it just shows you this COVID and their response to it. They've come back with a resounding majority, the president, Moon Jae-in. The reason is the COVID that they've been re-elected? Yeah, I think it's definitely helped him. Um, The election yesterday was mad because I think they had one of the highest turnouts they've had ever and the ruling party did better than I think they've ever had in the era of democracy so it's been really interesting to see like the effect of the virus on politics here Um, and just the fact that they were able to go ahead with it. We got a message to our phones yesterday telling us that between 5pm and 7pm all those who were quarantined could leave and go and vote so Everyone was trying to stay in yesterday evening, but just the logistics of being able to run an election in the current climate is amazing. Mm. Yeah, they're a wonderful example to the rest of the world. Just before we wind up, it's lovely to talk to you. You're from Toher in County Loud, and um, you have many people listening there, I'm sure, this afternoon. What about the GAA and the club there? Sure, look at the, 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 the state sport is in in this country, and we just do not know for the rest of this year, it could look like. Are you closed down sports-wise there? Yeah, so as it stands, all of the football tournaments in Asia have been cancelled for the first half of the year. They're hoping to have a couple of tournaments in the second half of the year. We can't train at the minute because all of the public pitches are closed. Um, And normally we train on the American Army base, but with the situation in America as it is, the base is completely closed down to non-Americans. 
So we're waiting it out. So instead of playing football, we've been setting up fitness chats and playing games online. And next week, the, there's going to be an all-Asia quiz that's going to be hosted by one of the clubs in Vietnam. So there's still a very much a social aspect, but the playing aspect kind of has to be put on hold for the minute. But I think we're closer to getting back playing than at home, unfortunately. God. Oh, to be in Seoul this afternoon, or career, I'm sure I hear so many people out there listening to the show today saying, just before you leave us, who's in Tohor? Tell us who's out there. Well, uh, I better say hello to my mum and dad anyway. Mary Osborne and Andrew Rogers and my sisters who might be listening as well. Ah, great. Listen, good good to hear that you're well and uh, work is uh, going well for you and will go well, please God, in the future. And sure the football will come back when it comes back. But the main thing is you're in a shining example to the world in Seoul and South Korea from what you've told us today. And it is great to hear it. And it is heartening to hear as well. Thank you so much for taking our call, Francis. I wish you well. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Francis Rogers talking to us from Seoul in South Korea. And it's back to Milan and Grania Connor a month after we first spoke. Over 20,000 people have lost their lives, almost 2 million cases diagnosed. I'm talking about Italy and a couple of weeks ago we were joined on Late Lunch by Grania Connor and she's back on the line. Afternoon, Grania. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking our call again. You're into week six there. You're there along with your husband, Stuart, and two teenagers. Is the paint dripping off the walls yet? <laughs> well, let's just say the house never been cleaner, although I've run out of things to do now this week. Uh, no, we're, all, we're all still getting on. There hasn't been any arguments, thank God. Great, and that is good to hear because six weeks is an awful long time. Could you ever have anticipated it would go on for this long? And is there any word in Italy about restrictions being lifted? No, I never thought it'd go on this long, honestly. Uh, We were told the 3rd of May, that was one day last week, but uh, I don't think it will be the 3rd of May. Our numbers are still quite high, so I'd say we could be the middle of May. I don't know. We have would it's just I suppose it's it's never happened before. Everybody's just playing it by ear really. Mm. And what about people sticking to the rules that have been laid down during this time? Would you say it's almost a hundred percent? I would say it's almost a hundred percent, very close because there is nobody you don't hear cars, you don't hear anything. All you hear when when you do hear vehicles it's ambulances and thankfully they're few and far between for this last week but um, not this, I, we're allowed out 200 metres from our front doors and uh, I took our poor dog out last week and there's nobody and you, you actually don't want to be out because there's nobody, it's quite scary You must think we live in the lap of luxury do you? Two, two kilometres well, in two Ireland Two kilometres is like heaven to me <laughs> to be honest to be able to walk or run two kilometres, it just shows you what you take for granted when it's taken away from you. And when you go out, and I take it's only out for essentials you go at this stage, you must carry identification, a certificate. What, what do you need with you when you're out and about? Well, you have to, everybody has to wear a mask and gloves once you leave your house. The gloves, they're supplied generally by the supermarket, so not everybody can get gloves. And the supermarket and pharmacies are giving out masks 
excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, for your charge. Um, you must carry a self-certification to say who you are, where you're going, and your two forms of ID, but you always have to carry ID in Italy. So a mask is now compulsory when you're outdoors. There's a big debate, you know, you probably are aware of this going on here. Mm-hmm. Should we, shouldn't we? But in Italy, it's a must now. You must wear that mask out in public. Yeah, well, it gives you a certain amount of security as well. You know that you don't have it. So if you wear the mask, you're not likely, likely to get it off anybody else. And and to be honest, like it's law, I think, within the last two weeks to wear the mask. But before that, everybody was wearing them because you just felt conscious of the fact that you weren't wearing one when you were in the supermarket. Mm. Is, is it taking a toll on people's welfare in general? I know it's the virus is the focus now, but you know when people, I'm sure there are families you know there, you have a garden, you're not so bad. There are people in apartments with children that can't go anywhere. Do you feel it's getting in on people? You know what I'm saying, the Irish word, getting in on you. Yeah, well, I think you'd be strange if it didn't get in on you. I mean, you're, you're, it's like prism, I suppose, in a way, because you you can't go out. I mean, as you said, we are lucky we have a garden. But I know a family, um, and they have three girls, and they're indoors for six weeks. They, they have nowhere to go. They live in an apartment block. I mean, people's mental state must be changed in some way after this. I mean, you can't stay sane locked in one room or locked in one apartment for six weeks. It must be hard going now for people that have no room. At least in Ireland, most people, the majority of people live in the country or near the country. You can get out and about, Mm. but you can't here. It's a totally different scenario and it really is a lockdown in every sense of the word. What about your, your children, their teenagers, schools out of course? What are they doing and how is their routines? Well, this until tomorrow they're on their Easter holidays. School starts again at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, I have to give them credit where credit is due. They've been really, really good. There's not been a lot of complaining. Sleep patterns a bit all over the place. Eating patterns a bit all over the place. Some days they can't, you can't keep them full. Other days they don't want anything to eat. But generally, they're very, very good girls, I have to say. Mm. And technology that I know I've debated it ad, ad nauseum on late lunch at times with experts and we decry it, you know, with young people stuck on their phones, never offline, etc. Well, I thank God for their phones and their tablets. It's they, at least they can speak to their grandparents in Ireland. They can speak to their friends from school. They're taking their classes online. They can see their teacher and their, their other classmates online. We'd, if it was 20 years ago, we'd be, God knows what, we'd be all mental, I think. <laughs> it's so true. It's a, a real silver lining, the technology today and the advances. What would it have been like 20 years ago? God only knows. You mentioned home and uh, your your families here, both your families. Is it more difficult? Is it is it more worrying? Do you worry for them? And I'm sure they're concerned for you as well at this point in time with all that's going on. Yeah. But as you said with technology, we speak to my mum and dad and Stu's mum all the time. I do worry about them, but I know that the others in the family are looking after them really well and they're behaving themselves. They're staying at home. 
that's the thing you just have to get across to people. It's staying at home. I know it's not easy, but you're not being asked to put a uniform on and take a gun and fight a war. You're being asked to stay at home. And that's the simple message for everybody listening to us today. That's all we're being asked to do. And the restrictions could be even more severe, as we're hearing mm. from, from Grania there. Um, in terms of the impact on the Italian people, you live at in Sarnico, uh, just about an hour or so from Milan. This is a wipeout for uh, a generation of people in Italy. Yeah. How many people have lost their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles? It's just... And I think because as well, because you're, you can't leave your house, you don't realise the impact it's had on our little town. I mean, I walk every day and I would meet the same old people every day and say hello every day. I don't know how many of those old people are still here. I won't know till we can get out and about like. Everybody knows somebody that has died because of us. And you won't. You will not know until life returns to a semblance of normality. That quietness you mentioned on the streets there, no traffic, no children. I think you mentioned to me the last time about an old person you met met there who missed the the noise of children playing. There's just nothing. It's a silence. It's an eerie silence. No, you go outside, all you can hear is birds. And today, because it's a bit windy, you can hear them... The olive trees blowing in the wind and you can hear the, the lake below because we're very close to the lake. You can hear the, like the kind of waves on the lake. But there's nothing, there's nothing outside. What about Stuart and work? I think I mentioned this to you the last time. Is he working still? He's, yeah, he's on three-day week because they're trying, between their teams, they're trying not to have any cross-contamination. So he's, Three three days a week he's in the airport with and, the same uh, two people all the time. And have you flights in and out, or has that stopped? No, these are just um, freight. There's no oh, yeah. there's no flight in and out. And the Nobody. buses run for people who are working in hospitals and the like. But apart from that, no. So it is only genuinely freight that's needed to keep society functioning with food and different Yeah, uh, for the supermarkets and the hospitals. Mm. And yeah, I mean, as far as I know, the factories and everything have shut down. There's no shops open here. There's like, you, like even like gardening shops, there's nothing open. Not mm. that you can go out to them anyway, but there's nothing open. Pharmacies and supermarkets. That's it. Yeah. The social aspect of life, just last thing to you before we finish today, you have very good friends out there and I know you mentioned technology, but God, that's fine for a time, but just to shake someone's hand, to give someone a hug, to raise a glass of wine in the company of somebody, you dream of those days? I didn't realise how much of a tactile person I was (laughs) I can't hug people. Uh, We do. Generally, on the weekends, we would meet up those... I have friends that are Irish, English, American, Italians, and we would meet up on a Saturday afternoon for an aperitivo, which is a drink you have before your dinner in the evening time. And because we can't do that now, we do that online. Group chat, all toasting each other a glass of wine and a bit of a chat. 
Anyway, I hope that the day comes sooner rather than later that you can raise that glass in person and meet all your friends again and that we all return to some semblance of normality. Grania, I wish you safety and health to yourself and Stuart and the girls and your families back home here as well. I'm grateful that you spoke to us today to paint the picture of Italy and we think of the Italian people as well, especially at this time. Thank you for joining us on the show, Grania. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. You too, Grania Connor there speaking to us live from just outside Milan in Italy. That's it for now, but do check out our other COVID-19 special podcasts and be sure to join us each afternoon for Late Lunch from 1.30 on your station, LMFM. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.